1: Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier. It is Tuesday morning, so you know what that means. I am joined by the great one of my favorites, Cousin Sal. How's it going? Yeah. One of my favorites. Yeah, it's great. We saw Monday night football last night. So we got to start there as we typically and always do. 24-22. The Denver Broncos stunned the Buffalo Bills. And let's just go to the end of the game because this should have ended the Buffalo Bills get away with the win, right? They win by one point, Uh, you know, the, the Broncos miss a field goal, but wait a second, we got 12 men on the field. Let's start there. How insane was that moment in time?
2: Yeah, well, this was not, let me just say up front, not my favorite way to lose. $100. Yeah, that was not good. I didn't like like that part. I had the uh, bills on the money line. Let's take it right before the field goal, though. Third and 10. Mm -hmm. Not right before, but third and 10. They're at a field goal range. And McDermott, I blame McDermott for all of this. I don't even care if he's calling the players or not. (laughs) He sends not six, but eight guys. They're at a field goal range. He sends eight guys. And Russ lofts it up. And in typical fashion, Russ fashion, it's underthrown. And the D-back can't get his head turned around in time. Pass interference. Right. Spot. They do some weird stuff with the kneeling. They're not doing their kicker any favors. Instead of running it up the gut, they had success running. The field goal was no good, and then 12 men on the field. They rushed the field goal team on. They, in about eight seconds, they get mm-hmm. the whole field goal team on. And they did
1: this right before the half as well. Yeah. Like uh, we, we saw the Broncos do this and get it off, and it worked. And yeah. Will Lutz made a 49-yarder into the win, which seemed insane. So maybe that was the uh, the precursor for them to believe that they could do this. But it was very rushed. And all it the Bills had to do hurried. was
2: count. They were, they were already there. They just had to count how many guys they had. And the no, guy no.
1: who was the 12th man happened to be standing right in front of two officials with his hands in the air. And you air. know who it was? Who was it? DeMar Hamlin. No, 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 no it wasn't him. Okay. No, I don't think it was
2: him. No, no. But anyway, that would have been an interesting story. Well, was uh,
1: DeMar Halen did come in this game and play on the last drive Mm -hmm. and actually made a tackle. So there was some positive stuff for the Bills. He should
2: tackle the coach after
1: (laughs) the game. Well, let's talk about that because Buffalo right now, there's a lot of finger pointing going on. They're 500. They are on the outside looking into the playoffs. They would not even be a wild card team at this point. Many people uh, prognosticated before the season they could be a Super Bowl team, Mm. a team that can go the distance. Josh Allen could win the MVP. How do we feel? What does the panic meter look like for Buffalo right now?
2: It's got to be high only because you look at their schedule, and I feel like I look at everybody's schedule, mm-hmm. and it's tough. Like, oh, they have a monstrous ending. They, you do they guess the
1: do lines it. with Bill Simmons. You're going to have to look at the schedule, right? I know. I'm going to have to quit <laughs> that
2: gig. Let's look at it. Uh, all right, Jets and Patriots. Those are the easy ones. At Philly, at Chiefs, Man. at Chargers, at Dolphins, and home for Cowboys. There's not an easy – even the Patriots and Jets. I wouldn't say those either. Or Divisional games, Jets. right? Or they lost to the Jets, mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't think that's easy. They're five and five. Uh, Denver's like four and five. I don't know. We, uh, we, we, are we ever going to get up to a point where everybody's got to of I'm tired of half games, games. I yeah. I want okay. whole
1: games separating teams. We'll eventually yeah. get to that point. I, I think at some point Roger Goodell will make that happen. Please, but Roger. I do think there is a question about Sean McDermott because there was already some rumblings you know, early in the season about how bought in is this team? Are they tired of listening to the same guy? Mm-hmm. And when you have these mental lapses is the best way to describe them. I think people will look at the head coach. They're not going to look at the star quarterback. They're not going to look at the star receiver. And the defense has been decimated by injury. So, Shaw McDermott might get the finger, right? I mean, not, I not, it, not yeah. that not that finger, but the finger point. Well,
2: let him get all the fingers. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I think we talked about it on this show. It's the kiss of death to be named coach of the year. McDermott mm-hmm. got one. Dable got Stefanski. one. Michael Stefanski. All these mm-hmm. guys with the mental lapses. It's the new Madden curse.
1: Yeah, it's not good. Let's talk about the Broncos. Their defense has nine takeaways in their past two games. I'll say that again nine takeaways in the mm. past two games that is an insane rate um but they've been able to force a lot of turnovers this is the same defense that gave up 70 points to the miami dolphins how how crazy is it to see that they flipped the script completely and now they've won three straight games
2: I, I don't think i've ever seen anything like it like defensively like you don't get that much better in mm-hmm. such short time you know you could have said all right they stayed you know they played tough against the chiefs that's how the, both those games but You know, they were sellers at the deadline. No. A lot of teams, I think three or four teams, wanted Patrick Sartan. They didn't part with him. And they went from that 70-point game to just playing lights-out defense. It's really an interesting – so I don't know. I lost track of the apologies. So, Sean Payton – Apologizes to Nate Hackett, or I'm not wh- – which way is it going now?
1: I do think that Sean Payton is somehow winning the war. He did lose the battle head-to-head, but oh. he is winning the long, cold war between these two coaches. And Hackett's well,
2: got to concede, I man. think
1: Hackett's got to take a knee and, and yeah. get out of the way right at this point. And also, Russell Wilson, he's calling Coach Payton Coach Pate. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks like he's in a much better mood. His voice is getting deep again, and he said that it was <laughs> relentless. He said that they were relentless tonight. How do we feel about Russell Wilson? Because he has the numbers this year to kind of back up that he's having a good year.
2: Yes, they uh, – uh, his voice is getting deeper. I think the over-under <laughs> was week six and a half before he we went through puberty. And right. So it happened. Yeah, it Sierra's happened. happy. Listen, he is not He is not giving the ball up. He's right. He has Was he had four interceptions mm-hmm. this year. We've com- compared his numbers to Mahomes favorably. I think
1: 18 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's not man. hurting
2: them. He is not hurting this team.
1: He's actually uh, uh, the plus player on this team. Yeah. So shout out to Denver. Do we believe the Broncos have any sort of path to relevancy this season? Or is this just optimism for the future of the, you know, Sean Payton, Russell Wilson regime?
2: I feel like these teams are so similar now. Like Deep down, I think we'll talk about Cincinnati later. I think Mm -hmm. they're better than a lot of these teams who are struggling. But you put these teams on the field, and you're going to get 24-22 type games the rest of the year, I think.
1: Yeah, we had six walk-off field goals this week in the NFL, mm-hmm. so there was a whole lot of conversations. Now let's play one of my favorite games. You oh. know it, Sal. We okay. do over under reactions. I give you a statement. You tell me if it's an overreaction, an underreaction, or a proper I reaction. Yeah, you can do it. You've been doing great this entire Thank season. You. I can't believe Thanks. we're already in week 10 right now, <laughs> but let's talk about it, and let's start with the rookie sensation himself. CJ Stroud is in the MVP conversation. Overreaction or underreaction?
2: Mm. Well, you just brought it up, right? So technically, it is in the
1: conversation, right? Just because now you, we're having a conversation. Yeah, you
2: audible. I, you know,
1: so I it had, think it's a proper reaction now that we've. had I think had it. it
2: is because you mentioned if you had you written it <laughs> on a piece of paper and handed it mm-hmm. to me, then he wasn't in the conversation. Um, yeah. Listen, it goes to a quarterback every year, right? This award MVP. So if he's second to Howell in passing yards and with one fewer game, I think you got to consider him. And it does feel like race.
1: the uh, the American public at large is sort of fallen in love with. You know, he kind of checks all the intangibles, he mm-hmm. looks the part, and then he's been able to go down and get wins. And now his coach, D'Amico Ryan, is in the conversation for Coach of the Year. So you might have a dual situation where a rookie QB could win MVP and the coach could win Coach of the Year. Yeah. But like you said, you want to avoid Coach of the Year like it's the plague. So right, maybe exactly. D'Amico Ryan, maybe tank and don't win that yeah. one.
2: Yeah, I'm going to give this to Frank Reich, <laughs> this award. Yeah, thank you.
1: He can do the uh, John ja Morant when he won uh, you right. know, the most improved, and he gave it to Desmond Bain. That's, that's probably a good move. Yeah, yep. next up i got this one for you south the cfl the canadian football league if you don't know about the great cup go look it up the cfl has more qb talent than the nfl
2: oh so many greats yeah right uh chad kelly trevor harris (laughs) vernon adams these guys are terrific these guys are good no i i mean come on you're being funny that's a it's an overreaction but i will say we're about two Tommy DeVito interceptions away from it being an underreaction.
1: I think Chad Kelly should be in the NFL. I'm going to put that out there right now. <laughs> Is that so. the Eli
2: Manning character? No, he's Chad the, Kelly? <laughs> oh, It the sounds title. like Chad Powers, but you. Chad
1: Kelly uh, playing well for Toronto. He just lost in the playoffs, but yeah. that's a CFL conversation. Let's keep it okay. to the NFL. In fact, let's talk about college football because mm-hmm. I got a personal over reaction for you. Only students should storm the field after big wins. Of course, Carolina-Duke, rivalry <laughs> game this weekend in Chapel Hill. I was there. People stormed the field. People are upset about this we can play the tape right now you can you can watch this happening Sal um, is that an overreaction underreaction how do we feel about storming right. the field
2: I'll, first of all I, I have many different reactions <laughs> on neither side of this first of all I, you're making you you tape you claim you taped this I did I was I there I think somebody else taped it and you're on the field and oh said, wow hey please you record think this is this. my Zabruder film? yes exactly I can't look like a jackass here so please record this and yes. I'm gonna have fun mom with my hold friends. my phone while I yes. get run
1: on the field with the rest of the right. kids right. Uh, all right.
2: students adults moms your aunt Ira, I, I don't care. <laughs> Nobody should run on the field if you're an eleven and a half point favorite. I agree. Come on, that was terrible.
1: Yeah, but it was at least a double overtime win. You've been dealing with Mac Brown. I don't
2: care if it takes four days right. to win that game. You were a twelve point favorite.
1: It's Carolina football. Storm okay. the field whenever you win. Right. It doesn't and happen that's often. That's why you did it. Yeah. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Uh, next up. Speaking of Carolina football, yeah. Drake May, who now Bill Simmons, our boss, is in love with. Let's say this. Drake May will be the next Patriots quarterback. Is that an overreaction? I saw a
2: Drake May throw the ball twice. That's all I need to see. Um... I, uh, it's an over. I, first of all, I hate this version of the Patriots fan. Mm-hmm. Maybe more than even the, the winning just version right. when they won, because now it's like not only oh I'm gonna root I'm rooting against my team, you know, like oh, no nothing can hurt me because right. they're losing and I'm rooting for them. To they lose. think that now so losing win is winning, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I win again. The team I'm rooting for is winning. Like you it,
1: literally cannot win for losing with these guys. Yeah. Yeah.
2: A, and B, it's a foregone conclusion that they're gonna a oh now I'm on double A. Draft Drake May, and that Drake May is going to be great. Like, yes. So they're, they're going to make all the right decisions.
1: And people forget Mac Jones was also drafted by the New England Patriots. Sure, right. Correct. Yeah. He was the 15th pick. He good? was the franchise quarterback. Yeah. At least that's what they told me. And then Bailey Zappi came in, and then they told me he was the franchise quarterback. Right. How many franchise quarterbacks can one franchise have? Sounds like they have two right now, which means they have zero. Listen, um, and now they're trying to get rid of Bill Belichick.
2: Th- they deserve a subpar quarterback for the next 150 years. Agreed. And- God willing, we're around to see it
1: all. I think it's going to happen. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Drake may stay out of there. But I will say, if Drake May is the quarterback of the New England Patriots, it's going to be great for him. because, uh, And great for me, to be quite frank. I might be on the Bill Simmons podcast every once in a while. Well, Talk about Drake May.
2: You'll be storming the field. So I don't know if you'll get an internet
1: <laughs> connection from the 50-yard yeah, line. Yeah, that's but right. I'm going to lose all my credibility right. once they find that footage. Let's hope they don't. Fingers crossed. All right, Sal. So next up, we got got uh, the Pastronaut. Josh Dobbs is the most mm. likable quarterback in the NFL. Overreaction or underreaction? Uh,
2: I think it's an underreaction. He's mm. super, super, super likable. He posts a video of someone singing, Can You Take Me High? or whatever the Creed song is <laughs> right. to his play. Going, it's great. Listen, we have to root for these no name quarterbacks to do well. We have to root for some of them, and then it makes it, you know, we'll be able to stomach the really bad ones like Bryce Young sorry oh
1: no that. what did what did sorry. i yeah i just blacked out when you sorry, said that what did you know. say um, i
2: said we have to secure
1: him <laughs> well josh dobbs uh, i thought he's endeared himself to the audience there he, he said he was started listening to creed because he mm-hmm. went to minnesota also when he walked into the facility for the first time he asked one of the security guys where the locker room was i thought that was really endearing yeah. so he's just one of us and i think that's why we all like josh dobbs except for he also interned at nasa so he might be smarter right? than the rest of yeah, us yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the Pastronaut, best nickname in football I right like now that. So, yeah. shout out to Josh Jobs. Yeah, very likable guy. Next up, Sal, a team that might not be the most likable, but they are playing like they are, are supposed to, very on brand. The Raiders will make the playoffs, overreaction or underreaction. Yeah,
2: it's an overreaction. It's mm-hmm. fun to think about that. They're so smoking cigars. They're behind Antonio Pierce. they yeah. got that all going. But, listen, they beat the two New York teams, right? Let's not get crazy. And uh, after this, they have Miami, Kansas City, Minnesota. And Kansas City again two weeks after that. So and Aiden O'Connell's their quarterback.
1: Yeah, shout out to uh, brother Bry. He's been through a lot of tough quarterbacks mm-hmm. there uh, in Oakland, and you know all through the iterations of the Raiders in general. But do we think Antonio Pierce is the guy to be their head coach? Do we think that we look up next year at this time and we say, "Man, Coach Pierce, what a great year for him." I
2: sure. I hope he gets a sweetheart deal and he gets fired with sixty million dollars on his contract. Right, I mean, Mark Davis is paying everyone a half a billion. Yeah, shout out yeah. to
1: uh, Jimbo Fisher getting paid right. seventy five million dollars. So don't bat an eye at that. And he go. can also get another job That's while right. he's getting paid $75 million. Yeah. So college football is a great career path. If any of the kids are out there and you got an idea of what you want to do. None a, of the kids are out there. Yeah, they're not out anyway. there, but they could be college football coaches. Last one, Sal. Ron Rivera should lose his Riverboat title. Again, mm-hmm. it comes up this weekend. He could have gone for two. There's about 50 seconds left in the game, so maybe a little bit brash, but they end up losing in the end to Seattle, yeah. and then everyone else is pointing the finger to say, look at you know what's happening with Dan Campbell and the Lions. He's going for it on fourth and two. That mm-hmm. seems like more riverboat en- energy than Ron Rivera. How do we feel about that? Yeah,
2: I, I, I don't know about analytics or anything, but I kind of feel like had he gone for two against the Eagles and had mm-hmm. he gone for two Sunday against Seattle, we both knew that the Eagles in Seattle going to win that game if it ended up tied and they get another possession. I think he wins one of those. Now they're 5-5, five and five and they're hosting the Giants. It's a different story for that seven seed. So.
1: And, it, and it felt like for a time in Washington, they were trying to figure out who the quarterback was. Now they right. have a quarterback. Sam Howe leads the entire NFL in yards. And now we got to look at the head coach, Ron Rivera. Good run there, but we'll see what He's happens. He's got to ditch the nickname. He's well, got to
2: do it. He's Rickety Raft Ron. That's yeah, it. right. And Go now overboat. speaking
1: of Riverboat, uh, or what what's was, once was Riverboat, mm-hmm. let's do the Riverboat question. Let's do some prop culture, and let's talk to the captain. Um, no McCaffrey touchdown, so that streak is over at 17. The question this week, what's the next long, long-standing streak in football to fall? we got Tomlin's 500 or better seasons at 3-1. to one. The New York Jets' playoff drought at 7-1. to Cowboys mm-hmm. season's ending, ending in demoralizing fashion. At 30 to that 1. Funny. I can't believe someone put that in there. Yeah. TV timeouts containing at least one Josh Allen commercial, 75 to 1, and <laughs> the field is at even odds. What are you? Who are you taking and what are you taking? Boy,
2: there? I would have chuckled at the Josh <laughs> Allen thing, but I mean, you got to take him off TV at some right. point. Um, I am going to go off the board. I'm going to take the field at even odds, and Chris Collinsworth to break his own record of saying pass rush. In 97 consecutive Sunday night games, I think he's it's a going tough to, word to say. It is, yeah, very, very tough for Chris. Yeah, it's a mouthful. It. Did you say it?
1: Pass rush. <laughs> so,
2: oh, yeah, tough. Hard? Yeah, I know. Uh, I think he break. He takes a week off and then ends up breaking that record down the road. That's my answer.
1: I like that one. I'm going to take Miles Garrett to break Reggie White's record of having nine straight seasons of 10 plus sacks. Oh. He's had five straight. I think he's on a path to get a 6 straight, and then from there, he's already you know above. Pa- well, I guess he's past halfway at this point, so he's he's already on his way. So I think he breaks that. Record. It's a it's a great cash rusher. It's yeah, one of best. My, my favorite pass rusher. Well, there you have it. Shout out to the Riverboat captain for that one. That was a fun one. We love to see streak snap. Sal, yeah. we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to look at the future and do some line look ahead. Right. Stay right there. I'll wait here.
0: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got.
1: the ringer. I am still your host, Tate Frazier, and I'm still here with cousin Sal, and we're going to have, yeah, you're still Sal. Yeah, it turns out uh, we're going to do some line look aheads because that's what we do here every single week. And let's start with Thursday night football. We got Cincinnati traveling down to Baltimore Mm -hmm. Ravens minus three and a half in this game. Who do you like both teams coming off losses this past weekend and trying to bounce back?
2: Yeah, man. Well, the first of all, this was a three It went to three and a half. It seems fair, but the Ravens into themselves really both bad losses. Ravens could have separated themselves from the Pack would have had a game and a half lead over. You know uh, over the Pittsburgh at least and Cincinnati we're going to go over their schedule in a bit but really rough I mean they are looking at five and five if they lose this and playoff implications are tough I think Cincinnati sneaks it in but on these games with three days rest you'd never ever know
1: yeah Thursday night never makes sense and uh, we feel bad for Al Michaels every time that we're watching a Thursday night football game because it feels like he also is trying to make sense of right. what he's watching one thing that I do know about Baltimore specifically is that they dominate the first quarter it feels like every single game they start out you know they get shot out of a cannon. they get a big lead they did it this past weekend against Cleveland they're up 17 to 3 and then of course we all know how it played out in the end is that a surefire bet at this point just bet the Ravens mm. first quarter actually it's only two and seven this year oh, no,
2: no 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 I'm kidding no it's been great because the games they lost against the Colts against the Steelers and uh, on Sunday they were winning all those games we saw them get a big lead against Seattle yeah they're burying team and they can't hold the lead it's weird the three games they lost They had a probability of winning of 92% or more. So it's crazy. I don't know. Maybe Harbaugh's taking some heat off his brother. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, I got to show off a little.
1: Yeah, he's just got to get a, the attention away from Jim. Right. Yeah, that's really yeah. nice of him. That's a, a brotherly love right there. Let's track to the future real quick, and let's look at the AFC North winner. Right now, the Ravens are still the favorites at plus 140. You got the Browns at plus 200, Cincinnati at plus 430, and the Steelers backing it up at plus 550. Considered the best division in football based yeah. on the odds. Obviously, it is. How do we feel, and is there one team right there that you kind of feel good about? So I
2: still think the Ravens are the best of the group. At this point, it'd be a hedge, though, if I took the Ravens because I have the Browns at almost 3-1 to one odds from before the season. Mm. But um, I, I just can't believe as tough and great as it is and all the injuries we've seen that all four starting quarterbacks are still with us. Uh, Not not alive. I I believe that they're alive. (laughs) That makes sense. But yeah, that they haven't. Did I just jinx it? Did I just jinx? it? I'm gonna knock on wood
1: right now and make Uh, sure that it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good quarterback play. I like the superstition. Let's stay in the AFC North because the next game we're gonna talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, who uh, kept the streak alive against the Packers. Packers Mm -hmm. haven't won in Pittsburgh since 1970. So that was kudos to them for keeping that alive. They're gonna go to Cleveland to take on the Browns. Browns minus four in this game. Do we think that defense can hold up and get another win in the Mm -hmm. division?
2: This went up too from. Sunday night. I think it's a fair line, though. We watched this first uh, first time they matched up right on Monday night. Mm -hmm. We watched together that gigantic four hundred foot Spotify screen. They took it away from us. It's gone. It's gone. They're (laughs) they're fixing. They said too much fun,
1: too much football. Bring the basketballs back. Yeah, right. Four guys a
2: week are enjoying this. That's (laughs) not good. We got to take this away. And now we watch on our phones. um, It's been great. Yeah, Yeah. I can
1: barely hear what they're saying.
2: Um, You know, I I, look. I, I think the Browns are better on both sides of the ball. I think they have a more dependable quarterback. Uh, I think the Steelers will get out gained for the 10th game in a row and so Pittsburgh will probably win.
1: Yeah, that's how it goes, right? <laughs> right. Pittsburgh just uh, you you had a bet a couple weeks ago. It was like basically bet the first half for whoever Pittsburgh plays and then bet them to win I'm the game. keep doing it. Yeah, it continues to cash in. So yeah. the AFC North, at least they have these trends that you can follow that do make right. sense. We talked about Al Michaels being lost. Let's track to the future. <laughs> Let's look at the odds to make the playoffs in the AFC North. Right now you can get the Steelers at plus 116. Cincinnati is minus 132. And I think the one that's most intriguing right now, Cleveland, is minus 340 to make the playoffs. Sal.
2: They are begging you to to take the no. right? Take the no at plus 280 or whatever it is. Don't do it. I would stay away at this point. To make the playoffs, it's going to be a... I, I think all three could come from this division. All three wild cards. It is possible. So I wouldn't say no to any of them, but if you look at Cincinnati that is bizarre at minus 132, unless you see the rest of their schedule. Steelers twice, Jags, Colts, Chiefs, Browns, all these teams have five wins or more, so it's going to be tough sledding the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, tough for Joe Burrow, who uh, it felt like last week when we got done, right, there was a lot of people that were saying, you know, Baltimore is the best team by far, you know, Cincinnati is probably the hottest team right now, and then, you know, in the NFL, all it takes is one week, and we have totally different conversations. That's why we do our over-under reactions, one of my favorite games. Oh, that is one. I think it is your
2: favorite. I know you don't want to commit, but I think it's my favorite
1: favorite. it's my favorite let's talk about another uh two teams in the nfc that are one's in the conversation another one is not tennessee is going to go to jacksonville this is an afc south showdown Mm -hmm. jacksonville uh no showed this past weekend they're minus six and a half in this game what do we expect from trevor lawrence if anything in this one they're also weird right i feel like
2: all these south divisions you get what you deserve by betting on either (laughs) Right. right so so it's six and a half this also went up I don't know. I was hoping Will Levis would be better, but did he peak after that first game? Mm. I didn't like what I saw against Tampa Bay. Some people
1: are saying they got tape on him. I don't really know how that works. I don't really? I don't know how, like, that one game where he throws four touchdowns, that was enough tape for them to dismiss yeah. him the rest of the year, but what that's, about that? No the one's nut. taping C.J. Stroud? They're right. Just like, they're, <laughs> right no. Yeah, they're Their like, please, someone work. film this guy. Yeah, 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 record it.
2: Same people <laughs> fixing the Spotify studio <laughs> or uh, tape, supposed to be taping C.J. Stroud. Uh, I would take the Jaguars in a teaser, but otherwise, I, I don't like these South matchups. Anything could happen.
1: Really. Yeah, anything could happen. Let's talk about the AFC South. Let's track to the future and look at mm-hmm. the winner. Right now, Jack Jacksonville was minus 220 to win this division. You got CJ Stroud and the Texans at plus 270, the Colts plus 1300, Titans plus 2100. Just looking at that right there, I'm licking my lips. It's enticing. The Texans at plus two seven. You're
2: licking your lips. Yeah. How weird. Actually, I are. didn't lick my lips, but <laughs> you know what I mean. I guess I guess it's it was okay. more figurative. <laughs> Colts, forget it. Titans, I think forget it. So t- the Texans are the more fun bet, mm. but I just think the Jaguars will have a little more at the end. Uh, Texans will not be shut out of the playoffs though. So if you can bet that. Uh, take
1: it. And I will say that that C.J. Stroud interception in the fourth quarter, I know they ended up you know, driving down, kicking the field goal to win the game, but that was enough for me to maybe have a little bit of hesitation, right. buying all the way in on Houston, and maybe it's my Bryce, uh, Bryce yeah, Young no belief. Yeah, no one's ever
2: allowed to make a mistake in your Yeah, eyes, I, I know. know. I know. you got to be perfect. You're on a tight ship. Yeah, it's, really tough. Do,
1: it's tough out here. Next up, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. 49ers minus 10.5 in this one. Looked great this weekend. Christian McCaffrey unfortunately did not score a touchdown, so right. His streak has been snapped, but regardless, the 49ers seem like they're back on the rails, and Debo Samuel also back as well.
2: Yeah, it was the probably the most important bye week in the NFL so far this year. The 49ers looked like they, they need to get healthy a month ago. They looked right. like when they played my Cowboys. Like mm-hmm. When everybody plays my Cowboys, anybody good? But, <laughs> Except um, for Tommy
1: DeVito and yeah, the Giants. not yeah. the,
2: DeVitos, the DeVito. The <laughs> they do not
1: like playing the Cowboys. <laughs> the
2: chicken farm was stale last <laughs> night for Tommy DeVito and family. Uh, 49ers are this much better than the Bucks when they're playing at their best. And, you know, we saw Chase Young, couple pressures there mm-hmm. just solidifies that defensive line. They're in good shape, I think, and, you know, as long as they stay healthy. And Brock Purdy, now everyone's back. Everyone loving Pro- Brock Purdy again, right, for another two weeks before he goes, you know, throws two interceptions. But I think this is good. I want to introduce you to something called the three-team teaser, me and your friend Bill Simmons, Ooh. years ago. We, we thrived off of this. Mm-hmm. We made hundreds, mm-hmm. and then we lost thousands. But, no, we made hundreds <laughs> at one point. You take 10 points off three teams, right. and there's a lot out there that could – four ers being one team.
1: Yeah, I like that. Let's track to the future here. Buccaneers' odds to make the playoffs, yes, is plus 172. No is minus 215. Do we believe in the Bucks? I mean, they do have a lot of talent in that building. It's kind of the leftovers from the Tom Brady run yeah. a few years back. Yeah,
2: and I'm, I'm going to pass. That's a Pasadena for me over here. <laughs> I don't like Baker. Dallas, Seattle, Minnesota. Those are my wild cards even though tampa bay does have the tiebreaker against the vikings they won that first game of the year uh they have this game they have the jags they're at the Colts. they're in lambeau versus green bay i don't think it's going to be enough
1: do we feel like baker gets another year you know does is it are we at the point now where we try to forecast the the future of tampa bay do we think mm. that this is baker mayfield's team or is this just another stopgap situation like last year in los angeles i don't
2: know if it's his team but have you seen the other quarterbacks they should know, sign him to like an <laughs> eight-year deal right
1: Right. We uh we talked about the quarterbacks. They are not uh thriving this year yeah. in the NFL. Let's keep it going. We got the Seattle Seahawks, another uh rivalry game here going up against the Los Angeles Rams. Rams plus one in this game. How do you feel about the Seahawks coming off a tight win? Um, you know, against a team that was very feisty this past week. A lot of
2: Rams money coming in here. Um, I don't know that there gonna be a lot of Rams jerseys that never <laughs> are at so five, but this was three plus three, and now it's plus one. Don't forget they bombed them in week one. The Rams beat them by I think like twenty points. Um, in Seattle made us think the Rams were for real but they're not and Seattle has been erratic as well I'm staying away from this even though there is that revenge factor I talked about I think it's too close to call here
1: yeah I'm a little worried about Geno Smith at times it feels like he's uh, more of a roller coaster this year than he was last year but you know he's had his moments Tyler Lockett obviously looks good as well let's track to the future here let's look at the Seahawks win totals Um, over nine and a half wins is minus 110 under nine and a half wins is minus 110 so Really not much value there, but uh, what are your thoughts on the Seahawks? Do you, are we thinking 10 wins for this team? I don't.
2: I, you know, I know I'm, I'm trying to thread the needle here because I said Seattle's going to make the playoffs, but I'm not now picking them to win 10 games. I think they're 9-8. I think that's good enough to get in. So many tough games ahead. Dallas, San Francisco times two, Philly, and Pittsburgh. So mm. this is, in a way, this is a must win. I just, they are too erratic. Like we said, Kenneth Walker will have like two carries, and then he'll have like 15 for a buck sixty or something stupid. So right. I want to see – Really, come on, Gino, step it up. Like D- last year,
1: yeah. DK Metcalf big in this game late. Yeah. Almost had a, uh, a, a you know, a, a situation where he tries to get too many yards for the field goal, right. and then they end up not being able to spike the ball. But they were able to figure it out. How do you feel about Charbonnet? I feel like this was the weekend where you know he had a moment where it was a Marshawn Lynch moment. I like to say he could have easily ran out of bounds, but he decided to try to run over a guy. And I was like, I think the Seattle fans will buy into Charbonnet, so maybe he could be the difference uh, in the backfield. Right. For them.
2: That's the UCLA way, you know, <laughs> just so many tough competitors. Right. <laughs> (laughs) Everybody
1: talks about how tough they are That's a big thing Uh, Last one, Sal We got the Philadelphia Eagles Going up against the Kansas City Chiefs Chiefs minus three in this game. Travis Kelsey flying mm-hmm. all over the world to go see Taylor Swift at this point, but regardless, his team is ready to line it up against the Philadelphia Eagles. Who do you like in did this Did you one? cry
2: when she changed the words, the I, lyrics?
1: I, I, th- I couldn't believe that was such a thing, to be yeah. quite honest with you. I, Are you I allowed never, to do that? I, I'm not sure. I think she has latitude, right? She's also a genius. You know, you let someone take away your masters, yeah, and you yeah. get no money for it, and you say, you know what, I'll just re-record them all and re-release them, and then everyone says, I love this new music, even right. though I heard it 10 years ago.
2: I love that. I was hoping, I, <laughs> did you see your Right, but you see the clip of, of her of uh, Kelsey with the father. What mm. the moment she changed the lyric, right? He, he happened to be paying attention, but it would have been so much better if he was like picking his nose and eating like a, a Reese's peanut butter cup from or Halloween hitting him or and be
1: like, "Should we go in the back?" Like yeah, I don't, exactly. don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Like I'm Did, over this. Didn't you
2: hear that? Like yeah. what? Oh, what she said, Chiefs instead of Karma. I don't know what what goes on.
1: I'm uh, worried that we have, and you know, this is a Cowboys fan. There was like uh, you know the Jessica Simpson, Tony Romo is probably the most famous. We also had Miles Austin, Kim yeah. Kardashian. Is there a world in which? Like we get to the playoffs, the Chiefs are hot. They're expected mm. to go win back-to-back Super Bowls. Could the could the cultural conversation turn where she could be cursed, or is Taylor Taylor Swift kind oh, of untouchable? Oh, of
2: course, of course, she could be cursed. Yeah, <laughs> okay. be anybody could be cursed, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I no mean, one's you, safe out there. That's it. They'll send their backs. She'll start dating those uh, flimsy British guys again. Oh uh, man, I, I love this game. Obviously, <laughs> uh, did you know this was a Super Bowl rematch? Yeah, people are talking about it a lot. Kelsey <laughs> brothers. Tell us what they'll be there. Joe Buck will mm-hmm. no doubt have a snarky comment that'll go
1: viral about yeah. something. So. About all the Kelsey conversation, right? Yeah. And then the pod, I'm sure they'll do their podcast from this game. Um, do you think that there's something to take away? Like if the Eagles were to win this game, do we come away and say, oh, now they're the perennial favorites to be the Super Bowl, you know, team to come away with the Lombardi trophy? Do we take big takeaways, sweeping takeaways from this game? Or is it just another week?
2: Yeah, I think it's fair. Although, you know, people didn't didn't uh, pass a baton to the Chiefs necessarily when they beat the Eagles. They mm-hmm. blame the refs and everything. So it all depends <laughs> on how you win. Did the Eagles win this by double digits. Absolutely. I don't think they have to go and beat the 49ers or anything else. They would be the team to beat. But I think it's fair that the line is three. I saw it at two and a half for a minute. I'm like, give the Super Bowl champs some respect here. And make it three.
1: Yeah, let's be respectful. Uh, let's track to the future one last time here. Better one seed bet between these two teams Eagles minus 140, Chiefs minus 135. Which team are you buying in to be the one seed?
2: Mm, it's so close. I think the Eagles. Eagles only because their schedule is just a little easier if they get by the next four, you know, when three of the next four, which they should, their last three are very easy. The Giants times two and Arizona. Mm -hmm. Those two teams are really battling for the top spot to get that number one pick. So who the hell even knows? It'll be Tommy DeVito's uh, nephew. I don't even know who lives with them. We'll I don't know how many again.
1: DeVitos are out there, oh, but uh, so yeah, they're yeah. trying to find them all. Cousin Sal, thanks so much for being on the show. We can find you on Fridays. Cousin Sal's winning weekend. And of course, with the Ringer Wise guys, yeah. thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, thanks, for Let's yeah. do this. Yeah, all I
0: right. like it. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. See website for details.
1: Welcome back to Joining us now, you know him from Mondays on my show, One Shining Podcast. He, you've seen him all over the Ringer universe. Of
3: course, I'm talking about Jay Kyle Mann, And you're in Los Angeles. It's great to have you out here in studio, man. In the flesh. It's always <laughs> great to be here, to get a nice break from the, uh, the cold. Starts to shift cold at home. Get a little break, get a little yeah. warm weather, feeling great. Yeah, love, get love out to the West here. Coast. Yeah, it's great times.
1: And uh, you know why we got to talk uh, about what's going on here. We got to talk about college basketball because it is officially, we all want to talk about the NBA. We all want to talk about the NFL, but you and I, we do the hard work. We talk about college basketball. And we had a pretty big weekend in the world of college basketball. Let's start at Cameron Indoor in Durham. Um, Caleb Love goes back against Coach K's alma mater. Oh, wait, that's right. He didn't go to Duke. He went to Army. Um, But Coach K gets in the building, and we get a showdown between Caleb Love, Coach K. Not necessarily one-to-one, but what were your thoughts on Arizona
3: getting the upset in Durham? Arizona has a new team. You know, it's a kind of a it's kind of a thing that's ubiquitous across college basketball is that like you never know who's on a on a right. team. You really have to do your studying, whereas <laughs> you and I've joked about in the past, whenever I'd come into the season, the, the studying and the learning who's on what roster was pretty limited to, you know, the transfers here and there, but really just the new players. You mm-hmm. kinda had to get out You learn the freshman, yeah. Yeah, and You're the top one hundred ESPN you'll be all right. Yeah. yeah, and you'll you'll look up and you'll be like, Oh, their spacer, they're off guard now is a guy who came from you know BYU or like Mm -hmm. it's just kind of a and Arizona is one of the like strongest cases of that Arizona has a a glut of transfers they do have some guys coming back with with Larson and uh but they you know Caleb Love is a guy who uh it seemed like he wasn't in the plans in in the long-term plans for UNC as you put it um but comes in there and uh doesn't have the best game he had some moments but he also had some like kind of classic classic in the sense that like uh, these are the things that kind of caused him to have a rough year after the the amazing run that they had in 2022. Uh, but he, you know, they were able to, they were able to, despite that, pull off the win, much to Coach K's, Mr. K's chagrin. There yeah, and John Shire's first loss as a, a head coach at
1: home, as, you know, the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. So that was noteworthy as well. Um, they were the number two team in the country. Let's talk about the number one team in the country, the Kansas Jayhawks, Bill Self did not participate in March Madness last year. He's got another big-time transfer in Hunter Dickinson. Some people think the favorite to win National Player of the Year. How do we feel about Kansas, and who do we circle in Kansas
3: and say, you need to know this guy outside of Hunter Dickinson? Uh, They have a lot of interesting players Um, in the fact that, you know, I think their front court is pretty incredible. It might I, I'd say it probably is the best front court in the country. I don't know if you can think of one that's better. Honestly. I know. And there's a lot of good bigs in college basketball, but they definitely have the best one. Right. Yeah. And the returning thing, we all we we tend to give a little bit of a bump in this assumption that like returning automatically means that you're going to get better. You're going to be something different. We'll see. Hunter Dickinson has always kind of had the ambition to step beyond the line and shoot threes and things like that. We'll see if he's able to do that. He hasn't been able to successfully. Uh, well, I mean, his percentages are good, but it's not a thing where I'd be like, you got to watch the pick and pop from. Hunter he's not Dickinson. Brook Lopez, exactly. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's he's not he's not a Kevin Pitts noggle type situation. <laughs> but KJ Adams is another guy who we is, love. KJ Adams, yeah, he's built like a. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good comparison body wise. I mean, he's just he's built like a tank. He's sort of an undersized four, but he is great at like reading screens getting in the rim he's a big time finisher in the pick and roll uh and then uh you know McCullough also is an incredible player uh, at the three great defender he's possibly a, their best player yeah he's, he's a <laughs> right. he's a dog yeah i mean and that's it's become a cliche to say but he's a guy that just really makes them tick and makes them go um i'd say McCullough and kj adams are the two guys that probably are going to make this team sink or swim in addition well the guard plays another thing too but those are those are two of their strengths i would say and how many teams can go into a season and say we have a point guard who already won a national championship for us. I mean, you talk about
1: Jalen Brunson when he was at Villanova, won as a freshman then won again in 2018, but Dewan Harris could be on a similar path to be a two-time national champ. Let's talk about the number one pick because uh, if you're not a fan of college basketball, you immediately go to the NBA draft and you try to circle players that you want to, you know, save your franchise at some level. The 2024 draft is, um, you know, much maligned. It's not the Wimbenyama sweepstakes we saw last year, to say the least. Everyone's trying to circle and figure out who it is right now based on what we've seen limited in college basketball do we think the number one pick comes from college basketball or does it come from the ignite or international or somewhere else
3: it's been interesting because you know normally with the with the nba draft we kind of look at the horizon of the guys coming up it's almost like an army coming this way and we're kind of sizing them up from a distance we're like oh there's a big guy there's a so-and-so it's like you you could see you can usually see the number one pick the behemoth of the player, the player that projects as like, okay, this mm-hmm. is a prime. You Usually if every draft is different. We say that. You know, there might be one all-star in a draft. There might be a few starters. You know, doesn't mean, may, mean that picks are less valuable, but you have to kind of go from year to year and have an understanding of that and not criticize a number two pick from this year against a number two pick from another year. It's because, not Yeah, it's not one-to-one, right? Yeah, so your expectations kind of have to be in line, but we don't really have anyone that Michael even, Kidd, Gilchrist, and John Moran, not the same. Not the same <laughs> at, at all yes yes so and you know I, I think when we look at this draft um there's not there's not even really someone that like very obviously fits the role of like this guy's obviously a primary option for an NBA team obviously a hub and when I say hub you know you just mean like they can score a lot and then they can respond to what the defense does and produce kind of in the way that your Giannis do your Jokic does it at the you know at the to the nth degree um but when we look around, it's just kind of a um, everybody's just kind of awkwardly looking at each other at, at the party and not kind of there's no there's nobody kind of taking presence of the room yet. But there are some candidates. Uh, did you want did you want to jump into who those were? Yeah, I was
1: going <laughs> to say, like, who are so I think it, I'll throw out the five names that I think are the candidates and you tell me if there's someone else that's in the pool. Number one I think it's Isaiah Collier at USC who's looked incredible early on I mean he's a he's a bowling ball downhill can finish either hand and just looks the part at some level Jacoby Walter at Baylor I feel like is a name that you know his first game twenty seven points kind of reminiscent to how KD made a splash in the Big 12 from game one, day one. You could see, you know, kind of the the path there. There's Justin Edwards, who's at Kentucky, who I think, you know, some of the draft knicks out there, they have him kind of right now penciled in temporarily as the number one pick. So those are the three college basketball options. And then we have two Ignite options, Modus Puzelis who uh, you know, kind of flirted with college basketball, goes the Ignite route. And then Ron Holland, who was supposed to go play at Texas and decided to go to G League Ignite after a great senior season. So those are the five that I have circled to say one of them could take the step to be the number one guy.
3: Is there anyone out anyone else outside of that group that you may circle to say that could take the leap? Um, I think Alexander Saar is a guy that, mm. that people are really looking a lot at. He has incredible size. I think he's 7'1", 72, depending on where you look at him. But if you look at him, he runs and has – uh, he runs like a player a lot smaller than him. He's somebody that that can really sit down in the chair and get low. Um, I always kind of call these guys they have dual citizen, citizenship in the fact that they can they have the size to defend. It, it's to bring up Giannis again. Giannis is the, inth, the example right. of that. Of Giannis could guard
1: Jokic if he had to. Yeah, right.
3: I mean they're they're the guys that can get low and, and basically make themselves smaller and to get down to be able to move with smaller players. And they also have the size to bother bigger ones. He's somebody to keep an eye on. The shooting with him has been a little bit hypothetical. He has kind of he kind of shoots the ball like Tari Easton. He kinda of has it over over here. He has an interesting release. I, I think you've covered kind of the cast of characters that are the most likely. We could have one of these international players that are playing college ball, could emerge and get into the top five, but top one I would be pretty surprised i think you you named i think the cluster where the guy's going to come from
1: right now if you had to you know blindfold make a pick and you say who's going to be the guy that's number one would you say it's isaiah collier because i feel like he's the one the momentum is
3: pushing that way for usc to have the number one pick potentially this year he was somebody coming in you know number one player in his class people really were big fans of him. He played well, and he's played well in every grassroots situation. He was awesome at his high school, played well in the FIBA thing. But I think people started to kind of the, – the doubt and the festering kind of feeling about his face-up offense started to kind of creep in. And I th- you just felt the conversation drift away from him. And it's almost that scientific thing where you have an idea and then some doubt kind of comes and pushes against it. Well, if it, if an idea is really strong – the doubt that pushes against it is going to reveal and shape that it actually is great. So he's going to be able that What I, my point is that, like, I think Collier's going to hold up to that scrutiny. Yeah, Ultimately, right, because right. I think that he's going to be able to get to the rim draw free throws and I don't think the shooting is as far off as, as people think and I think he is one of those guys the first game you watch him against,
1: against Kansas State he just looked apart already so uh, that's the good news for USC basketball fans we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we are going to talk about the Kentucky Wildcats the Louisville Cardinals not so great and uh, upsets in college basketball back through the ringer we're still here myself Kyle Man, and we're talking college basketball and the buzzword in college basketball is upset. Everyone's talking about the upsets. Of course, we got James Madison ranked in, for the first time in the AP poll at number 24. They upset Michigan State in the first week. But we'd be remiss if we did not start when we're talking about uh, the Holy Cross team that went in and beat Georgetown and upset Ed Cooley's run with the Georgetown Hoyas. We got to make our boss, Bill Simmons, happy. Um, how do you feel about the upsets in college basketball? Are we shocked or do we expect this kind of
3: parody right now in the league? Who's the quote from the beginning of the year that was saying that uh, basically that this was, you know, the pressures on the, the higher majors basically to what we talked about the quote on. It, it was uh, to, Tristan
1: De Silva at Colorado
3: was talking right. about right. um, basically that all the blue bloods have all the
1: pressure and that all the
3: new bloods and all the up and comers have, uh, you know, the free reign to have fun. Yeah, I think, you know, if you love parody, I think that that's <laughs> one thing. You know, you hear a lot of complaining about players, you know, from coaches saying, you know, players don't stick around. They don't want to get better. They don't want to wait, you know, things like that. That's one side of it. That's, <laughs> That's Rick one... Pitino's side, right? <laughs> That's he did say that. <laughs> Meanwhile, he has a roster of all new players. Uh, uh, so. That's one side of it. The other side of it is, you know, the, the fact that like these these places, there is a trickle down effect. Which, if you flip it the other way, these there are players being poached from lower lower levels, basically. It, you know, it's, it's a it's, it's a wild wild west, right? It is, it is. It, it, but but it, it's wild in that it's it's going on a lot, and you don't know. You get your head spinning from all the new players, like we talked about. But it also is kind of it does have that sort of like up and down thing going on. That I think. It's sort of like spreading the talent out a little bit, I think, especially in a game like basketball, where you know football you need a lot of it takes a lot of people it takes it takes a lot of uh water drops to make a wave to make mm-hmm. a big difference you know and in basketball, really, you just need a few primary colors like if you if you get a few different transfers you know if you get like three transfers that are solid, mm-hmm. it can change the whole complexion of your season, whether or not those come from, you know, another, you know, we've seen high major to slightly less high majors. Like we've talked about Brandon Pajimski going from Illinois to, to uh, out to Santa Clara. Um, that's the kind of thing that can really change your program. And those are the types of guys that are falling between the cracks that are transferring to some of these other schools. I'm not saying that's what's going on with like Holy Cross or JMU, but um, I do think that it's done a lot for the parity in college basketball. I think it's good. I like it. It's opened up the opportunity
1: for these buy games as they like to call them because they're paying Holy Cross to come play Georgetown. So they're getting paid a hundred thousand dollars to come there and beat you. But when you bring in a bunch of transfers like Georgetown and you're Ed Cooley, you're a brand new coach, you're trying to find continuity. You're trying to figure out your rotations, but it also lends itself to when you play a team that has some continuity, knows who they are, has an identity, they can upset you even if you have, um, you know, more, a more talented team to say the least. So, um, It's leading to good conversations and good stories in college basketball. We talked about the Upsets. Now let's talk about the Champions, more specifically the Champions Classic. We have Duke playing Michigan State coming off a loss to Arizona. Tom Izzo coming off that loss against JMU. We also have the Kentucky Wildcats taking on the number one team in the country, Kansas. Kansas is favored in this one, minus five and a half. What are your thoughts on the Wildcats in this game? Do
3: we think Calipari can find some magic against the number one team in the country in Chicago? Um. Well, from Washington, Kentucky, which I have intently uh, so far this season, I, I can tell you that they are a team that is very fast. This is the probably I would say along with like the 2017 team, which is like Fox and Monk and even Bam Adebayo is pretty fast for a big guy. Um, cumulative team speed in terms of that. Uh, this year's team is up there with that team in terms of fastest teams that Cal has had you know you think about the John Wall team John Wall was fast but and so but this team top to bottom they have a glut of guys that are in that like six, one to 6'7 ish range and the story really you know they have Trey Mitchell the guy that transferred who ended up there because of the Bob Huggins you know beer cans in the bag situation he ends up mm-hmm. at, you know by we'll call that divine providence take. yeah West Virginia uh, <laughs> got pillaged by every program in the country right yeah every <laughs> Everybody was just like, which player on West Virginia do I want? The God, only one
1: that stayed was Kirk Risa, right?
3: God works in mysterious ways. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes in a trash can full of, or a trash bag full everyone, of beer cans. Everyone <laughs> in the Bluegrass State just thinking the basketball gods. Yeah. Maybe he's an angel, like the country song. <laughs> uh, so, but like, so. This is a team that's very fast, but I, I think they're going to probably struggle with bigger fours that can handle the ball, bigs that can get to the rim, that can slow the game down. They want to get in transition, basically, I think is what they're going to want to do. I think for them to even have a chance, they're going to have to really, really play a, like a junkie kind of style, speed the game up, put a lot of pressure on Kansas uh, and their struggles, which have been in the backcourt, which have been on the perimeter and shooting the ball. I worry about Kansas, you know, their ability to get to the rim and get easy ones and slow the game down, and that'll just, you know, I think that's going to put a lot of strain on them. I, I, I thought that five was a little low. I thought that you you kind of had the same opinion, it seemed like.
1: Yeah, now we talked about the good in the Bluegrass State. Let's talk about the bad, because Louisville, perennially a top-ten program. Um, Rick Pitino, a decade ago, won a national championship. I know we act like it didn't happen, but we all watched it happen. So
3: what champion? What? I don't even know your yeah. time. What,
1: what time? Well, 10 what? years ago, uh, people have said that, Louisville won a championship right now. They can barely win a game. Uh, they, they barely won their first game against UMBC. Um, the second game against Chattanooga, they lose by 10 points. Now everyone is pointing the finger year two for Kenny Payne. They're spelling his name P-A-I-N, um, which is incorrect, but they're saying that they're feeling it right now. What are our thoughts on Louisville? And like, uh, as we look
3: at the program, like, how do we, how do we fix this? Because this is a major problem for a, a top program. Well, you know, the first question you've got, there's a series of questions that kind of just cascade from the first one is, the first one is, is this going to continue? So, Mm -hmm. you know, based on what we've seen, you know, they, the vibe is, you know, not that vibes are something that you're going to find on like Kim Pomeroy, but like (laughs) (laughs) seemingly you can, but like, um, they should have lost that first game. I think right. if anybody watched it, that UNBC it was a miracle save that the guy tried to save the ball in bounds. UNBC was in great shape to kind of make a closing play. They passed up a three in the last possession that I didn't totally. Enter, mm-hmm. Drove into traffic, uh, anyway. But I mean, you know, because in their mind, they're
1: like, "We're UNBC. We should not be beating sure. Louisville, right?" You know, yeah. We, we always talk about a mental
3: have, hurdle there at some level. Have you been there before? Yeah. They have. You know, we've <laughs> seen we've seen them do it, but. Right. Um, it's hard to assume at this point based on what we've seen last season is was just a really difficult taste to get out of it. You know, it's kinda like if you buy White Castle, you get in the car, if you, the next day, you know, you're gonna smell it. You know, it's like it's just kinda it, well, White Castle's not a thing out here. maybe not the best reference, but but it lingers. Uh, yeah. It's a it's a pungent <laughs> smell right. uh, that lingers. The grilled onions and stuff. Last mm-hmm. year was stinky grilled onions and they can't get it out of the car. And the question is can't are they gonna be able to get it out of the car? I it's hard to have confidence that they will. And if you're gonna work from that, you know, supposition there, I, I I think that, like uh, that, that assumption. Um how soon do they make a move? I think it's the, really the question that hurts to ask because Kenny is a guy, even though he had a lot of success in Kentucky and has all these alums that swear by him. He's a good guy. Everybody hard, likes him. Yeah. You mentioned Wagner. Right. Payne is right there at the middle of their history and their lore and they were excited about bringing him back and it's it's a hard conversation to have and this is kind of the danger that I think that you run of if, if you hire in family at times is that like, you know, if it doesn't work out and UNC had that with Matt Doherty, I mean, mm-hmm. it can be really hard to pull the plug on somebody that you care about like that. Yeah, quickly one last thing. If we had to close our eyes and and look, you
1: know, we're in April. We're trying to figure out who's going to win the national championship. Is there a team that you close your
3: eyes and you say, I don't know. It just makes sense to me. I think that they can actually do it this year. Uh, I mean, I like Kansas. I know, uh, you know, Tennessee has a lot of things working in their favor, too. They have the guard play. They have the experience, the tournament experience. They have a guy coming in that Dalton Necht is a guy who's a really impressive player. Tennessee has never, I don't think, in their school's history advanced to the elite. I don't think they've been in the elite eight in their school's history, which doesn't say doesn't mean that they couldn't do it. They could do it. Um, Miami went to the Final Four last year for the first time. San Diego State to the national championship game for the first time. So, you know, we, they things can happen. Miami is an interesting team, too. Uh, you know, coming off, they've got guys that come back. They've got Matthew Cleveland coming in from Florida State. You know, they got Norchad O'Meara. They've got Wuga Poplar. They've got a lot of pieces that make sense. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the short list of, of the teams right now. Is there one off the top of your head that you got? I mean, I think the most fascinating is Purdue, just because
1: they come off losing to a 16-C. There's a lot of people that want to buy the hype. They have the reigning national player of the year in Zach Eadie, but Well, that's clearly mattered in the past. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm not buying it. But, uh, Kyle, man, I am buying you coming back on the show very soon. Appreciate you joining us And uh, we will see you right after the break.
0: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. Ease. So start planning your next getaway and find you're perfect somewhere in the hotels.com app today.